Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker. And we just watched Scream. I don't know why we're traveling back in time 22 years now, but I have to admit, it was totally worth it. <laughs> this movie is a whole lot of fun and really important for the slasher genre and for the horror genre as well. I think it, it really injected new life into the genre. I guess you'd agree? Oh, yeah. Horror was dead at this point. <laughs> I mean, they were still making them because, as a horror fan, as you will hear later tonight in mere minutes, if something is part of a franchise, we will watch it. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that later. I mean, before this, in terms of horror, what do you get? Like, Silence of the Lambs? I don't even know if I consider that a horror movie. I think I just you consider it more a, of a thriller. You had a very, very dark period where all the 80s slashers were having sequels in the 90s. That did not go well a single time. <laughs> Freddy in the 90s, no good. Jason in the 90s, no good. Michael Myers in the 90s. Oh, good God. Oh, boy. <laughs> Paul Rudd and Magic Stones. It is not a good time. Chainsaw Massacre in the 90s, no. How dare you. You take that in the 90s, so you got the Renee Zellweger, Matthew McConaughey one, which is a movie that I will make you watch someday. Uh, God willing. It that is dire. <laughs> Is that H20 or... No, that comes out four years after oh, this buddy. one. Well. Oh, man. I have such sights to show you, Chris. Do you? Do you have news before we get into what we watched recently? Because we both watched no. a lot of movies. Just warn you guys now, there's a lot of movies to get out of here before the main event. I watched way too many movies. So I would like you to start and tell me what you engorged yourself in. Okay. So I watched finally a recent movie. It's not even that old. Uh-huh. 1994. Uh, it's a okay. Chinese movie called Chungking Express, God and I have to admit, I actually really like this one. It's supposed to be a classic of Chinese cinema, and it's about two different love stories. The first one I wasn't really into, but the second one, I don't know, I kind of dug it. Uh, I, I can recommend this one. I think it's really good, just as long as you aren't really, really, really sick of uh, California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. Jesus. <laughs> they, they play it over and over again. I think it's like the, the Chinese director didn't realize there's the other parts of the song besides the opening. <laughs> so so what was China's interpretation of Jack Burton's truck? <laughs> no, I think that... Uh, what I think of whenever I hear that song is I think of the Bill Burr sketch on uh, the Greenpeace 30 or whatever. Remember they, <laughs> when they boarded that fucking ice tanker or whatever? <laughs> All the leaves yeah. are brown and the sky is gray. And the sky is gray! <laughs> 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 so that's all I can think about for half the way, which is maybe why I loved it so much. But uh, yeah, I, I can recommend this. It's finally a good romance, you know? Uh, again, the first half of the story, it's like, I don't know as to whether I, I like it that much, but the second half, I definitely liked it a lot. The next one, 1948, black and white, John Wayne God Western, called Red River. 
I think I've been spoiled. I really like uh, the genre of westerns. I've been spoiled by so many good ones. You know, I've got The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Once Upon a Time in the West, Real Bravo, etc., etc., etc. So Red River, honestly, didn't do very much for me. And in fact, the ending was so stupid. It's just, it, it's, it's not really doing very much for me. And the movie keeps on going and going and going. And by the end of it, you're just hoping it'll end. And, uh, and then at the end, they just make friends. I, if I wanted to see this movie, I could have just watched The Cane Mutiny. It would have been a lot better. I mean, friendship is very important in all cultures and all walks of life and all time periods. So I'm glad you got that lesson. Well, never and mind. I did not. Man, we watched such, such different movies. <laughs> yes, we did. 1906, Boy. The Story of the Kelly Gang. In the name of God are you talking about? One of the earliest documentaries ever made, and in fact Jesus does not exist what? in its complete form, so I watched about 17 minutes of it. Actually, it was about 30 minutes, the copy I found. Uh, Restored and Everything. It's an Australian film about a bunch of uh, criminals in Australia, and is about as boring as it sounds, so I don't have very much to say. I'm really just running through these at this point. Shocking. Next up, a three and a half hour documentary on oh, Jesus. the making Say of Blade it. Runner. Okay. And I gotta tell you, I loved it personally. Uh, and not just, oh, me personally, I love this just because I happen to love Blade Runner. Me personally, I love this movie. Here's my thing about making of featurettes. They never seem to go into enough detail. This one goes into every single detail that I wanted and it gets a whole lot of different opinions on things. It's like, hey, here's how I did this, here's how I did this, here's how I feel about this, here's how I feel about this. They had people who would directly disagree with each other one right after the other about like interpretations about like, oh no, here's how the funding actually happened. I like that. I really do. I, I prefer that, that Do way. you mean Ridley Scott and then everyone else going, no, it's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Of yeah, course it was human. really hard for them to get Harrison Ford always... on this documentary. Shocking! He usually loves to play ball. Yeah, he... Well, first of all, he hates talking about this movie because he had a really rough time making it and did not like the way it ended up because he didn't like the uh, voiceover. And he's like, yeah, I just thought it was a worthless voiceover. But I tried on it. I really did. And it cuts to the recording of him... Uh, doing the voiceover, yeah, he was trying. He was and he was working with them. He was, this is kind of like the Orson Welles tape that's going around. He's trying to like make it better. He's like, so uh, he's like, that didn't work. Can we just try that again? Can I like change some of these words in there? They're like, nope, stick to the script. <laughs> and uh, then you didn't tell me I'd get to watch him do that actual. Yeah. Okay. Well, I you don't to get to watch him. You just hear the voiceover. You know. That's you know good enough. Cutting room stuff. It's it is worth it. It's highly worth it. It's got Stacy Nelkin again, the slideshow. And I kept right after him saying, oh, I hated the voiceover. I thought it was stupid and worthless. I kept telling him, don't do it, but I couldn't talk him out of it. It cuts to a famous director saying he really loved it and always looks for the voiceover whenever he watches it. None other than Oscar winner Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> that seems like a very Guillermo del Toro thing to love. Yeah, he... he shit-ass voiceover. He really likes a voiceover. I don't know, but, uh... Hey, I, I, I guess what if you watch it while you... I feel like if I had watched it with a voiceover the first time, I would have known what the fuck was going on at any point. I think my favorite part was them spending a good at least 20 minutes on a flaw in the movie that I never noticed. And apparently it's like, oh, Blade Runner fans always talk about this one flaw in the movie. And uh, here's the reason that it happened. Here's our explanation. I was like, wait, what, what flaw was that? It's a woman's wig when she gets shot. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice, okay? so I think that I think that got reshot out in the versions we watched. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Apparently it, in the original cut it was bad. Because even the stuff I've listened to, I've heard it brought up. God, I really want to watch this documentary now. Actually. You should definitely do it if you get a chance. Unfortunately, the version I downloaded was in like 
it was, it was in like cd.avis or something like that so it was kind oh, of out of order man. i enjoyed it anyway because i i don't know i was just totally back. into it the entire time uh again seeing stacy nelkin like that she would have played an excellent press but uh the, the, <laughs> the one they got to do press did a really really good job you know so boy what a movie that it, if i take away anything from this documentary it's that this was really a group collaboration this isn't just oh ridley scott's blade runner no 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 Harrison Ford did a lot for this movie. People don't understand how much input he had in the way this turned out. Uh, this is also uh, the the screenwriters, multiple ones. Uh, actually, Philip K. Dick had, uh, he obviously wrote this horse novel. Ridley Scott never even read it. He just said, wow, you still somehow captured my vision. Uh, the studio had less to do with it, I think, than they'd like to admit. Uh, they were trying to wrest control from him. Actually, you know the one who had a lot more uh, input on this movie than almost anyone else was Rucker Hauer, who... Boy, you said he's only been good in one other movie? Pretty much. I mean, he will show up. If you're making a horror movie, let's give Rucker Hauer a call. That dude has led quite an interesting life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I highly recommend Dangerous Days of Making a Blade Runner. Uh, next, I watched uh, a three-hour Chinese movie called Yi Yi. God damn it, you tricked me, and I'm sick of it. This is a family drama. Now, I've heard that to call this a family drama is to call Citizen Kane a movie about a newspaper. And I can see it. Uh, it's just I don't really know how to describe this movie other than saying it's a family drama. I really like it. I think it's excellent. Uh, it sort of begins and opens with uh, the life. Of, it, it begins with a wedding and then it ends with a grandmother's death. And it just shows all the different family members in uh, this family, you know, trying to come to grips with uh, how they live and their place in the world and stuff like that. And it kind of ends on a bit of a bittersweet ending. And I think it might be slightly autobiographical for the director, but... I gotta tell you, I, I think it's really good. I know you don't have patience for three-hour movies you have to read, but uh, no. this is no. this is an actual classic that is totally worth it. And now, the main event uh, for movies that I watched. Parker, I've got a real pain in the neck right now. Because I decided I would sit in the front row at the no. Alamo Draft House when I watched... The Tingler with my good personal oh, close friends, yeah, Frank Conniff and Trace Ballou. Ladies and gentlemen, I almost cried twice. Uh, I grew up so with the show, and I, I'm totally obsessed with Mystery Science Theater 3000. I think it's the best. I, I will never stop watching it. I'm in the middle of rewatching it right now. Next episode is Hobgoblin, so I'm in a good spot. And. <sighs> Hobgoblins. I was feet from them when they walked into there. And I thought, oh, yeah, they'll sit in the front row, you know, like, they, you know, in MST, you see the silhouettes and stuff like that. No, they sit in the middle in, like, the best seats in the house. Like, my <laughs> neck still hurts from watching that movie. If you get tickets to watch any movie in the front row, you're an actual crazy person. Correct. I couldn't I will, run today. And there have been I saw so this on many Friday. shows where we see things opening weekend and I will see a movie at fucking 10.45 at night in the back row so I don't sit up front. Uh, yeah, I refuse to sit in the front. I can't do it anymore. I thought, oh, it won't be so bad. Like, I literally had to keep adjusting my neck. i be like, okay, okay, only a few more hours, you know? Uh, the Tingler itself, have you seen The Tingler? I've seen bits of it. It's but... worth watching. It's uh, it's a really, really good bad movie. Um 
then we took questions and I got to ask Trace a question. And I said, hey, what are some of your everyone asked like, oh, what are some of the worst movies you've ever done? They went right to the castle of Fu Manchu, an offbeat answer, but a good one. Uh, meanwhile, I was like, what are some of your favorite movies? And he went right to Dr. Strangelove and uh, Frank tried to pivot it back. I was like, well, there were a lot of good movies last year, you know. Uh, Frank said, yeah, you know, I really like The Post, and I had to keep from going, oh. <laughs> uh, they mentioned three billboards, Shape of Water got a round of applause, you know. Uh, I know what that is. Yeah, so I got, got to meet, meet them. Audience. I got to stand in line. I got to shake Trace's hand. Now, if I learn anything from this, because I know Frank and Trace don't listen to the podcast, and I don't listen to theirs. Sorry, Alex. Uh I'm going to come away with a bit of personal bias here. I think Trace is not just funnier than Frank. I think Trace is a lot funnier than Frank. However, they have such an excellent dynamic. You can never really split the two apart. You can see why they work together so well on MST. But, boy, Trace was killing me the entire time. Uh, Have you seen their live show? Have you been to it? I have not. If they ever come down to Dallas, you've got to do it, man. I'll have to find time. I'm just saying. Like, the first thing they did, the first thing they did was like, oh, uh, how many of you have seen The Tingler? And a bunch of hands go, because they just did the show in Frederick, which is a couple miles away. It was like, oh, fuck. And I was just like, all right, I know what kind of show I'm in for now. They were going, <laughs> like, really hardcore, raunchy, take the gloves off sort of thing, uh, going equally against Democrats as they did against Republicans, and in a way that's actually funny, you know? Uh, I, I just... Boy, I had such a good time. Anyway, I got to shake Trace's hand when we were getting stuff signed. Now, here's the thing that almost made me cry at the end. At first, I almost cried. I saw them there. I was in the same room as them. I am that much of a fanboy about the show. I don't get this way about anything. Like, I met Brent Grimes, and the entire time I was just like, oh, hey, Brent Grimes. But, like, for this... (laughs) Is it true that every man needs a Miko? Yes. But for this, I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I grew up with these. It's, It's so important to me. And then I saw them. These guys don't have roadies or anything. This is just these two guys lugging their own gear and everything. And I I, meant, I, I think I said something that's like, you guys should hire someone to do this. And Trace responded, we did, ourselves. Which, you know, best price you can get. But, boy, I, these guys are almost 60 if they're not already 60. And they, they should have, like an intern or something do this not that i'm volunteering i'm just about to say did you volunteer yourself I, right there i the was about to but i didn't want to take be, me with you i didn't want to be that guy you know although i was damned close uh but you know one of the things i liked about i mentioned that they're about the kindest warmest funniest people on the planet the other thing is that they were really patient because they opened it up to questions and the, the room was kind of oh, shy man. about it and some people asked some dumbass questions and they, they would tell stories that would just go on and on and on. And they would just politely nod and go along with it and then make a joke about it. That, and the joke would be funny, you know? Uh, There's he, nothing I hate more than... All right, let's open it up to questions. Um, so, um, what's the worst movie you guys ever did on the show? Uh, thank you. Actually, that one was not the sore spot question. There was a sore spot question on there, which was... Uh, actually, I was planning to do that. I was going to ask Frank, how do you square your politics with Mike's? Did that ever bring up any uh, any disagreements on the show? Uh, but instead, someone asked, so have you guys seen the new MST? And immediately, uh, Trace was like, well, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> <laughs> he has not watched the new... Why would you, uh, why would you bring that up? He has not watched... Trace has not watched the new Mystery Science Theater 3000. Neither is Frank, although Frank went to one of their live shows recently. Um, I was about to call it, you should watch it. You should give it a chance. And then I was like, ah, it's 
probably a bit of bad blood between <laughs> Joel in some way. Uh, Have you guys considered watching this show? You guys are on it once. You might like it. Uh, then he asked which one was better, and then the girl answering just wasn't listening. And she's just like, oh, the old one's better. And he's like, so what's what's a what's a good episode for the new one? And she's like, Ega. He's like, they did a new Ega. And she's like, oh, no, that's from the old one. He's like, yeah, tell Trace what's from the old one, what's from the new one. And he's like, yeah, what's from the new one? And she's like, uh, I don't know. And I was, I was trying to, come on, cry wilderness. Everyone, whatever. You know, just fucking try here. Uh, anyway, I was standing in line. And I was like, oh, could you sign this? I got the amazing colossal episode guide. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to pay for something here, you know, because like th- this is worth more than the ticket price, which is only 30 bucks. So I, I paid for a T-shirt. I got a photo with the, both of them and they were just so kind of funny. And I almost forgot my book there. And Trace yelled out my name. This is like turning into a romance movie here. And I, I went back to go get it. And he, he was like holding back. Like, oh, I, I forgot to tell you. It's like $40 for the book, too. And I was I don't know. He was just I was I told him it's like that's almost as much as I paid for it. So. I, I don't know, I just that was a magical, magical night of my life, Parker. So um I'm still I'm still kinda glowing, you know. How magical was the night you saw WWE SmackDown Live come to your hometown? Well, that was just a few days after and uh, Alex wasn't able usually Alex will come over to visit on Sundays and you know, we'll go out to a movie or we'll do, we'll do something. And uh, this time she couldn't make it, so I was like, okay, I gotta find something to do. So my friends dragged me out to some sort of WWE Live. It's not SmackDown or Raw, and they yelled at me when I called it one of them. But uh, oh, was it just, hey, it's a house show? Here's that's that here's they the did call house show. Like. Yeah. Oh, uh, I guess I guess the individual brand ones weren't doing so hot. Well, I mean, Mom. it's it's. I mean, come on, we're in Fairfax. What do you want from us? <laughs> so uh, we piled into George Mason University, where my dad got his PhD. Now my dad brought me down to George Mason University my senior year of wrestling he's like okay let's see if uh maybe you get like a tryout for the team and you can see we can maybe get you an athletic scholarship here and I was just like okay I think I can do it George Mason University how good could they be there were about 15 people in the gym and I was immediately outclassed by everyone who was there it was, it was I mean, he was like okay so study them see what moves uh you think you could improve the team in some way else oh my god these guys are so far beyond me uh so i went to this wwe thing i don't know how many people were here it must have been i think a billion like there were so many people so many kids i was just i have never seen anything quite so popular in all my days i i was just actually shocked by how many people were there in the first place and i kind of bought into it i am not a professional wrestling fan i'm more of a real wrestling fan but you know, I was able to buy into the commentary. I was with good people. Uh, my good friend Dante, who's uh, enormous, was calling out this stuff, and he was so funny. And all the kids were just repeating all his jokes and everything. Like, there's there's that one guy who's who's only famous because of his wife or something like that, and he has her face on the back of his jacket or something like that. Oh man! And they were using that jacket as a property, and he screamed out, "She's pregnant! How dare you!" And that got like a <laughs> A couple of laughs from like fifteen hundred people. He's he is seriously just about the funniest guy. And he went downstairs to buy a money in the bank briefcase. <laughs> Which he's using as his official briefcase for work now. <laughs> By the way, he works with me. Trooper. And then afterwards we went out to uh Korean barbecue, which I happen to love. Lots of meat. Oh man, I know what Korea is. Yeah, and You've been to Korea. David my my good friend David's girlfriend attended 
And she went to the bathroom and texted him, and he showed me. Whenever I see Chris, the first thing I think is Will Ferrell. <laughs> Parker. Why did she text that from the bathroom? How could she possibly think of Will Ferrell upon looking at me? I <laughs> do not see this. I don't think I will ever see this. It's the most ridiculous comparison I've ever seen. Are you saying you prefer the young Harrison Ford comparison? I Somehow I do. Just a smidge? <laughs> yeah, slightly. Uh, Harrison Ford. I was thinking about that the entire time. Anyway. Mm, me uh, too. 1937. Can we talk for 45 minutes about the Bludgeon Brothers? Oh, Mike, thank you for reminding me. I almost <laughs> forgot. They did not come out with their hammers, but one of them came out like he was God, from the Wicker Man. Uh, these two dudes who are, must be at least six foot eight and with beards down to their knees. And they almost left the, the ring because they didn't want to fight the other guys. But then they came in and they they lost, but they ended up beating the shit out of the guy. They, The two guys who ended up winning the match were just stuck on their backs for like a good 20 minutes after the match <laughs> just trying to recover. <laughs> God bless wrestling villains. Wrestling is so good. Now... How are you spending this Rusev day? <laughs> I'm spending this Rusev day podcasting the way that he would want me to. It's just important for me to tell you that they sell a Rusev day calendar where every month has a different picture of him. In oh, don't worry, Dante Rusev already day. told me. He also God damn it! He, did he buy you one? No, he bought goggles that he wore for most of the match, even though it was the the entire stadium was dark. Uh, sick, actually. God. That's commitment. I respect him. It was great. He came into work the next day and wore them for his entire shift. I love him. God. It was it was a very very good time. Your friend Dante sounds cool as hell. You would love Dante. I mean, everyone oh. loves Dante. Everyone. I just loves want to talk about wrestling with your friends. Nineteen thirty-seven. Lost Horizon is nope. a black and white sci-fi fantasy. God fucking damn it! You tricked me. Again. <laughs> I heard about it from Harlan Ellison because he was Great. really mad that people were going to remake uh, it. Bingo! Great. <laughs> Filled the car. Up. That's it this week, everyone. Featuring a soundtrack by Frank Zappa. I'm kidding. He wasn't born for God. another three years. But uh, I have to admit, Lost Horizon's pretty good. The problem is you can't see the entire thing. It's uh, bits of the movie have fallen apart in years of disrepair. So you have to... They've restored it a bit. Some of the movie is just still shots with the soundtrack over it. But overall, it's a good movie. It's well acted. It's uh, This is one of the original sci-fi movies, and I, I like it quite a bit. I like it significantly more than 1958's French movie, Mon Oncle, which means my uncle. A Jacques Tati movie. Yes, Alex, I don't know why I spend my time this way. Alex and I... Alex and I... you say something sarcastically. What a great name. Yeah. Uh, Alex and I both hate Jacques Tati. Apparently he is regarded as one of the classics of French cinema. Uh, It's supposed to be a comedy. This movie fucking blows. I'm not... I I really... I don't hate it. I can see why it's a classic. This is supposed to be like one of those intellectual comedies. Like, or you look at the geometry and you can see that it's against the French attitude of the late 1950s towards a more consumerist lifestyle. Actually, capitalism is bad. Yeah, okay, fine, whatever. At least make your movie funny, though. The movie's not funny, right? It's. I didn't laugh even once. I... Don't ever watch Mono. Two hours! Two hours for a comedy! Nope. Yeah. Unacceptable. Uh, then I watched another French movie because I God don't damn. learn well, do I? 1963's nope. Contempt by Jean Luc Godard. I think my first Godard movie. Um, the thesis of this movie is that women do not communicate well. 
I think that's only half true. I think women do not communicate well and men do not communicate well. This movie also a complete boredom. The only reason to see it is Bridget Bardot's ass. Well, I'll take your word for it. Yep. We moved on to... Okay. I have been waiting for this one so, so hard. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> hey, Parker, you know what's going around the internet these days? Oh, a lot of the, terrible, the terrible Disney things. bracket. You know, like, oh, let's man. put all these Disney uh, movies together and see which one wins for March Madness sort of thing. You know, what's your favorite Disney movie? So I watched a Disney movie. Uh-oh. Parker, 1946's Song of the God. South is oh, one of the classics of the Disney canon that has not been released on home video in America. Weird. I can only imagine why. I'm the Uncle Remus of podcasting. This movie is not good. You don't say. Uh, the reason it hasn't been released is mainly because of controversy. It actually got pretty good reviews when it came out. And I will admit that the lead guy who, the lead guy who uh, played um, who uh, played Uncle Remus in this movie actually won an, on, an honorary Academy Award. And I'd say he deserved it. Uh, he actually acted his ass off in this and pretty much without direction. And it won an Academy Award for the songs. The songs, I have to admit, are pretty good. I mean, it gave us sympathy to it What am I going to say? But uh, the main reason I was attracted to it is I saw a commercial for it that aired in, I think it like must have been like the mid-80s. It said, hey, own uh, on home video, Song of the South. And I was just like, or no, it wasn't even on home video. It was being re-released or something like that. And it just showed like the Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear stuff where it's just like, oh, look at the classic Disney animation. You forgot that the other hour of the movie is just these awkward race relations. Uh, <laughs> this fucking movie is terrible. Because like you watch it and here's the thing. Disney animation back in the 40s, it, I mean, it's beautiful. It's like you look at the stuff that they do with their art and you're just like, oh it's incredible I can watch this all day not with these voices you can't <laughs> remember the crows in Dumbo oh, look at those what crows if, oh jeez what if they were more racist <laughs> it's I those don't even know if it's racist because it's actually mostly that one guy who's coming up with all the voices it's just that it's probably racially insensitive to people at the time. Like, I've got a couple of black friends. No, really, I do. And oh, wow. it turns out they don't oh. like watching a lot of the movies that I do. <laughs> I can only imagine. So I watched this French movie with the most Aryan people possible. <laughs> Nary a black person to be found. Yeah, <laughs> Song of the South is terrible. Now, I have to wonder, Parker, why hasn't, uh, why is it Br'er Rabbit in Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> have you have you actually like I, I serious question here. Have you seen Song of the South? No. Have you seen any of the animated portions of it? Of course I have. When you find out something that racist exists back in the early two thousands <laughs> when YouTube is young, you have to look for it. Uh well, I am somehow going to restrain myself and I am not going to do an impression of Prayer Rabbit. <laughs> We can do that one off mic later. That's fine. <laughs> okay. You don't want to yell that near computer. I understand. Okay. Uh, Parker, I also watched uh, Little Shop of Horrors. A the 1960 version in God black and white. God fucking damn it. Uh, that has <laughs> Jack Nicholson in it very briefly. I'm going to admit this. Little Shop of Horrors 1960. It's actually kind of good. Uh, it's uh, two days. It was shot by Roger Corman, which usually that's a couple strikes against your movie. 
I actually laughed like at least a dozen times out loud. This is a pretty funny movie, and it was short. I was in and out in under an hour. So oh, that's, uh, that's what Daddy likes to hear. Exactly. I uh, I don't know. I you know I think I can recommend this movie. I think it's more of like something. It would probably work well with MST because it's so cheesy. It's like it's a plant that eats people. The main thing that's so funny is the plant's voice. Like I understand it's not like the one that they. It, if you ever saw Captain N, the Game Master, uh, they use oh Mother Brain's God. voice in the 1986 remake. But this one, it's just some guy off camera going, feed me, feed me. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do the Dexter's Laboratory quote, but which I do at work all the time. <laughs> I thought about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, pretty good. Then I'm going to get the uh, next two out of here in a hurry. Oh, my God. Two from 1953. First, The Hitchhiker, black and white film noir. It's pretty good. (laughs) I've got a couple like that. 1953's The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Oh, hell yeah, son. Now we're talking. It's all right. Ray Harryhausen in a solo effort, and boy does it show. Uh, This would be a Gamera movie if it didn't have uh, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Based on a Ray Bradbury novel, and you cannot tell. (laughs) Even with the credit, you're like, oh, I can't tell. But Parker, I decided I would go back to something more recent. And I was like, you know what? Let's watch a comic book movie. I know that The Avengers is coming out. And I don't know how... This is a trick. I don't know how they're going to tie Jonah Hex into The Avengers. because you've got to be shit. (laughs) What is happening with your list? Are you okay? This is actually the last one before Scream, so don't worry. I can't believe, first of all, you watched it without me. (laughs) This is the one where I was, as I was watching it for the first act, I was like, oh, we can't actually turn this into an episode because uh, it's just kind of dull. I was wondering, because it got horrible reviews when it came out. I was like, oh, this movie's terrible. And I was just like, really? As I was watching it, I was just like, oh, this... I mean, it's not good, but it's definitely not terrible. I'm just, like, not very interested by it. And then I see that John Malkovich, is use, who's back from the dead, is using the Dragon Balls to blow up uh, different cities in the United States of America because he's mad about the Civil War. And it gets <laughs> okay. so much worse. Remember... I need, you, I need you to slow down a second. I need to process that entire sentence. I... There's a lot going on. Have there. you ever read the Jonah Hex comic book? No. Oh, well, in the in the comic book, one of his distinct powers is not being able to communicate with the dead. Guess what he can do in this movie? <laughs> 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 and, uh, no, it gets worse. Do you remember uh, my biggest qualm with Transformers last night? The entirety of it? It was mostly or the Harriet the Tubman thing. Hyper, the hypersexualized child in the beginning? Oh, God, how could I... Oh, I forgot about uh, that for yeah. a split second. Yeah, you did. Oh, that's so disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus, you've watched it recently without me, you devil. No, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I've watched far worse. So I was mad about what they did with Harriet Tubman's memory in that movie. In this movie, John Malkovich says to his cohort, who's played by Michael Fassbender... Uh, this movie also has Will Arnett and Megan Fox and Josh Brolin in it. <laughs> uh, he says to him, uh, have you heard of Eli Whitney? Junior or senior? Oh. Um, okay, come on. Eli oh. Whitney, the inventor of the cotton gin. Well, what most people don't know is that Eli Whitney also invented weapons after the 
cotton gin because he, you know, he didn't get all the money that he wanted from the cotton gin, but he got a lot of fame. So he was able to get, you know, he was able to make like musket stuff like that. And that's also how he made a name for himself. And uh, that's true. That actually happened. John Malkovich goes on to explain that uh, he was so popular that the United States government contracted him out to make something. It's like, uh, you're bending history oh, a bit, no. but this is getting to oh, a little no. bit of a uh, national treasure sort of thing. I can buy it. And they oh, asked him to make a giant super weapon, but and he did, but it was so dangerous that no one ever used it. I was like, okay, okay, you've lost me. And he opens up a suitcase of the Dragon Balls. And <laughs> <laughs> all that's missing is the stars. They're, they look exactly like Dragon Balls. Eli Whitney made the fucking Dragon Balls. That is the and now John the Malkovich is gonna undo time so the Confederates win. Is that what I'm to understand? <laughs> uh, no, the Confederates already lost, so he's really bad at the United States. Also, he's back from the dead somehow. I'm not sure how that works. And uh, his Great. idea is he's going to blow up different because it's the centennial is coming up, so he's gonna like blow up all these. But he's got he's called El Terrorista, which means the terrorist. Oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is Latin for the terrorists. I have heard of Jonah Hex before this movie. I, he was in Batman the Animated Series briefly. That seems like something that would be in that show for an episode. Yep, it was one episode, and that was it. Anyway, yeah, apparently he's DC, so I look forward to him being in Justice League too. Parker, what have you watched recently? Holy Jesus! <laughs> Half hour in, let's buckle up. Oh my god, I didn't know I took that long. So, oh buddy, here we go. So, as you know, last week I described the deep dark hole I went down of 90s horror I love talking about holes oh man <laughs> my favorite Shia LaBeouf performance <laughs> but my favorite Jack Black performance would come in I still know what you did last summer which is what I watched as soon as we finished recording now Chris I know you haven't seen it but you've mentioned to me several times that you tried to read the Wikipedia for the first one and it just doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense whatsoever yes well, the sequel solved that by making it so you guess the killer the probably the second time he appears on screen. The first time he's just this innocuous white dude, and the second time you're like, okay, so he's the bad guy, and it's going to take us an hour to for the big reveal. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, this might surprise you. It is not good. <laughs> I definitely heard a lot about it. I think we made a lot of jokes about it back in middle school. Oh, don't worry. It'll be a part of your life soon enough. If I have my say. Then after that, I just kept going down the slasher train. I could not stop. I watched Sorority Row from 2009, which is essentially, they basically took one of those 90s slashers, but back in the 90s, no, they were just being destroyed by the MPAA, cutting out all the violence, all the gratuitous sex. All the good stuff. But it was 2009, so no one cared by then. So they essentially just took a script and went, yeah, go and just do it now. And uh, there was one thing that stood out. There's a character in this movie who is in the sorority. Her name is Chugs. Her character is that she loves to get drunk and fuck constantly. That is her arc. In the entire movie, I'm like, this woman looks vaguely familiar. It was not until the end when I learned that she played Shia LaBeouf's best friend on Even Stevens. <laughs> and I could not look at the movie ever, ever again. <laughs> How appropriate. After that, we had The Toolbox Murders, which is a Toby Hooper straight-to-DVD movie that is way better than it has any right to be. I'm shocked that such a thing exists. Yeah, it turns out, in 2004, Toby Hooper's like, oh yeah, I can still make movies, you guys. Like, I'm actually kind of good at this directing thing. 
And, uh, you know, like, it's not incredible by any means, but you want to talk about some movies that came out in 2004 in the horror genre, this is probably pretty high up on the list. Fantastic. And then our dear friend Alex told me, you know what? You should watch The Faculty. Oh, yeah, he did and talk about that, didn't he? Boy, did I. Oh, no. I mean, our the Alex we actually like. My apologies. Oh, did she? Yes. Oh. There you go. How was it? Man. This might be the most heavily concentrated 90s I've ever seen in a movie that isn't Hackers. Well, you haven't seen Nowhere yet. She made me watch Nowhere. That's a whole lot of 90s in it. (laughs) Okay, well, let me serve you this counterpoint. So the movie starts before you see a title, like a production company, a title screen, anything. Just a black screen. And you hear the opening riff to the offsprings. The kids aren't all right. Okay, you win. I mean, we've got... The first scene is Robert Patrick, the fucking liquid Terminator, just screaming at high school football players, freaking out and flipping over benches and yelling. You got Josh Hartnett as the super cool guy who sells drugs. John Stewart has a goatee. I mean, it's just... <laughs> there was one point in the movie, like an hour in, where I yelled out loudly, Is that Usher? <laughs> and it was. It was... It has my favorite line of, the, of any movie I've seen this week where one character is hitting on the quarterback <laughs> and he's mentioning how they won a game and she said, well, yeah, that was thanks to you and your completed passes. It was oh. <laughs> really good. I'm so Robert glad Rodriguez. Giselle appreciates her husband. <laughs> Robert Rodriguez is a big American football fan. I'm sure of it. Oh Yeah, totally. So that was a beautiful time capsule that held up way better than I expected. And then, so, I'm digging through these stacks of DVDs, right? And I find this four-pack that has the remake of When a Stranger Calls. So I start digging through on Wikipedia, and I'm faced with a realization that I've never had before. I've watched Scream probably a dozen times. I never once made the connection that the cold open of Drew Barrymore is essentially just an homage to the first 20 minutes of When a Stranger Calls. I don't know that movie. Is that like an old movie or something? Yes, the original one is 1979. Oh. The opening is the urban legend where it's the babysitter watching the kids, and then she keeps getting the freaky phone calls, like, have you checked on the kids? Mm-hmm. She keeps investigating, and then the cop's like, the call's coming from inside the house. Oh, no. It's it's that. But, man, that original movie, I watch both because autism is just crippling. <laughs> the original was a nice surprise because there's a lot of times you go back and watch these old movies and it kind of feels like homework it's like I, I see what they were doing I'm sure this was effective at the time but not really doing anything for me yeah that, that original movie that opening 20 minutes alone like the rest of the movie's fine like I don't love it but it's fine but that first 20 minutes is really effective that's my favorite thing when you watch like an old movie and you're not just saying oh you know back in 1920 it was really good it's like no this is actually affecting me now because the whole first 20 minutes is her getting terrorized with this phone call. And it's her slowly getting more and more scared, locking the doors and everything. And that final reveal of like, oh, you just locked yourself in there with him. And also you can't leave because there's children upstairs. And the way it's shot too, because like she'll get the phone call and then it'll cut outside. And you'll see like, is that him in those bushes? It'll like kind of slow zoom on a tree. So you keep trying to think of where he could be outside and just to find out, nope, fuck you. He's been in there the whole time. Then the remake happened. What if you took that opening 20 minutes and made that the whole movie? Uh, is that good or... No. Oh. <laughs> what if it was directed by Simon West of Con Air fame? 
a good movie, by the way. Incredible movie. This one, not so much. My distinct memory from when it came out is... Okay, so the call from it is coming from inside the house. Like, that's the famous thing from the first one. Right. That's in the opening scene of the first one. That line comes an hour into this movie, and it was in every single trailer I saw for it. <laughs> so I knew going in, like, okay, that's the thing of this movie. But the entire movie is the <laughs> opening. <laughs> Boy, you want to watch a shitty teenage actor walk around a house looking scared for 90 minutes... You can do a lot better. This came out in what, in 2010, you said? I think uh, 2006. Yeah, it checks out. Yeah, you are not missing anything. I will avoid that one then. Sometimes you're just, you're playing Far Cry 4 and you're grinding outposts and you just need sound on next to you. (laughs) And that's what happens. I'm going to admit, that's what I did with The Hitchhiker, except I was playing, uh, I was playing Bioshock (laughs) 2. Nice. So this next one's quick. Uh, just premiered on Netflix called Game Over Man. It's with uh, Workaholics people. If you like Workaholics, you'll probably like it. If you do not like Workaholics, you will not get past five minutes of the movie. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> if you, it. It's the exact same sense of humor. It's the same people involved. They're all the same people behind the scenes. That's it. Like There's nothing else you need to know. I never watched much of Workaholics. Whatever it was on, I thought it was alright, though. <sighs> and now... We're about to really get into some shit here, Chris. Oh, boy. Now, you know I'm a completionist. Yes. But there is one horror franchise I have tried to avoid, like the plague. That is the Hellraiser series. Why have you tried to avoid in, this? Because I knew the first one was good. And the rest, just diminishing returns as far as the eye can see. Right. Chris, I have made some poor decisions this week. What did you do? Let's start with Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. <laughs> Up until this week, I had seen the first one a couple times and gone no further. Buddy, buckle up. <laughs> so Hellraiser 2 is pretty good. It's not as good as the first one. There's a ton of ambition in it, but there's just nowhere near enough money to tell the story they wanted. I guess not, yeah. It's not bad by any means, but there's just... You get to the end, and you can tell, like, oh, you had a lot of crazy shit drawn out, but you just cannot afford those puppets. One of those things they need some computer graphics for. Oh. Don't don't put that thought out in the universe, friend. (laughs) Good point. But, like, there's one point in the movie, a Cenobite flies through the window, and then snakes shoot out of his palms, and then eyes come out of those snakes' mouths, and then knives come out of those eyes, and then he stabs people in the head with them. So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, yeah, it's scary. <laughs> Let me tell you about Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. <laughs> My favorite Remember Doom how I sequel. Mentioned earlier? Man, if only. Yeah. Remember how I mentioned just about 10, 15 minutes ago that nothing good came from 80s slasher series going into the 90s? Uh, yeah, what about it? Boy. The drop in quality from 2 to 3 is... It is awe-inspiring. <laughs> oh, no. Like, the level of acting straight across the board of every single character is horrendous. Like, I had regrets 20 minutes in the third movie. Like, you know, maybe I could just live the rest of my life not watching these movies. Like, what would really change? But uh, I pushed through. Chris, have you ever seen uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors? No, that's one of the ones I haven't seen yet. Oh, well, they have. 
Oh, they were big fans of it. <laughs> what if we had more Cenobites and they told jokes? That would be a terrible idea. You are correct. I'm just looking at this list. <laughs> I have so much to say about my next movie. I hope Hellraiser it was four. Here I was thinking it was directed Blood. by Jean-Luc Godard. <laughs> oh. oh, we wore the same outfit to school again. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> my friend, if you had told me at any point during Hellraiser 4 that this movie was in theaters, I would have spit in your face. <laughs> I wish more than anything you could have been in the room with me. Because I know nothing about these sequels. I know they all have Hellraiser in the name. None of the sequels have the number on them, so you never know what the fuck you're getting. And they all have Pinhead's face on the cover, just straight across the board. That's all I know, is Pinhead will show up for like five minutes in these. The look on my face when this movie opened in fucking space. Oh (laughs) my god. Hey, Jason X did it. Come on. We went from space... To the year 1796 in Paris. Oh, no. With with Adam Scott of Parks and Rec fame wearing a colonial wig. <laughs> this movie. And then the two girls from between... fucking Ginger Snaps 3 showed up. <laughs> Buddy, if only. This movie jumps between 1796, 1996, and 2127. <laughs> I have had a roller coaster of a week. And what was the subtitle for this one? Bloodline. Oh. Because you see, we learn about who originally created the box, and then we follow that bloodline into space. Now, here's. The movie is. Look, I'm not going to say good, but knowing where I'm going to be going by the end of this, it's fucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> oh my god. But the behind the scenes stuff is actually kind of interesting. Because the original director, before he took his name off of it, <laughs> was a man named Kevin Yeager, which is a name you won't recognize, but he did the Freddy Krueger makeup, created the Child's Play doll, and created the Crypt Keeper puppet. Oh, so this is kind so of a that's... big guy, isn't he? Yeah, so like, it's some pretty cool shit. Some pretty powerful and juju. He, and he had this fucking, this period piece, this modern day thing in the space epic where you would just follow them through time. And then <laughs> Dimension Films took it and they were like, Nah, you need the monster to show up earlier. <laughs> they just rearranged the whole thing into a garbled fucking mess. I don't know that this would also, have been good without it, but you know. It also doesn't help when five days before shooting, they cut the budget in half. Ooh, that is rough. <laughs> yeah. And then so, he left the movie and they brought in the director of Halloween 6 to finish it. <laughs> oh, well, so the movie's in good hands. I want to tell you something about this movie. Go ahead. So, in the... Well, Adam Scott, I already mentioned, his looks like fucking Dave Mustaine with his incredible 80s metal hair. Yes. But in the modern day subplot, the main character has a child. This child is played by the child from the Shining TV miniseries. Oh, that kid with the big buck teeth? I couldn't understand a word that, he was saying. The first thing you hear is his ungodly shrieking. Oh, no. I was ready to put my head through a fucking wall. <laughs> I'm glad you looked it up to see who that kid was. I just... It gets worse. Oh, good. Because we go on to Hellraiser 5 Inferno. Directed, oddly enough, by Scott Derrickson, who did Sinister, which I really like, and Doctor Strange, which I have not tricked you into watching yet. What if I told you they just took a film noir movie and then Pinhead was in it for like ten minutes? 
Uh, I sounds pretty bad, huh? Well, yeah. I was thinking of the Little Shop before, as they had a brief moment where it's kind of film noir detective story. It was kind of like a joke. Like the with all of these movies, this will be like that spoiler, good. I'm sure. Spoilers. I did not sit down and watch these with my undivided attention. I would not be alive if that was the case. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm not going to pay attention all- to the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms for an hour at a time. It was on the laptop next to me while I played Xbox. That's so totally like, that fun. movie. The movie ended. It was inoffensive enough. And afterwards, I'm hungry. I'm going to McDonald's to get just an uncomfortable amount of chicken McNuggets. Oh, hell yeah. And while I'm sitting in that drive-thru, the plot starts to wash over me. <laughs> and I realize... So, spoilers. This movie ends this detective finding out he's basically in this Groundhog Day loop. And I realize that Pinhead, the Cenobite who appears to just test the limits of pain and pleasure and rip people apart with chains picked on this guy for being a bad for being a mean person you just showed up in the end to give him the speech like hey you're a bad guy mister and now you're stuck in this loop so now he's a moral judge of some sort like fucking oprah winfrey just like hey man be the change you want to see and also there's this weird sex monster (laughs) it's so fucking shitty and then after that hellraiser six Hellseeker. <laughs> this was the last one I got through. Yep. There's four more after. Hellseekers are the hardest enemies in Doom. <sighs> Just speaking of things I'd rather be doing than watching four Hellraiser sequels. These two, five and six, are two movies that for years the like the long-standing thing has been that they just took scripts that weren't related and put Cenobites in them. That's not actually true. But boy, you can see why the rumors lasted for 20 years. <laughs> because literally, this fucking movie's all about the guy from the Allstate Mayhem commercials <laughs> trying yes. to solve a mystery that you solve 20 minutes. By the way, both of these movies, you solve the mystery like 15 minutes in and you just spend the whole time waiting for the main character to figure it out. My favorite. <laughs> it's fucking garbage. The movie opens, by the way, with a quote from Dante allegedly from clerks there is no greater sorrow than to recall happiness in times of misery no fucking kidding i wait a second why did why did they have the dante quote at the beginning of the movie subtitled hellseeker instead of the one subtitled inferno yeah that's a good question chris it's <laughs> a real good fucking question yeah so this whole movie ends with him solving the mystery that we figured out like even me paying zero attention missing half the dialogue by the end of the first act, I was like, okay, so he died in the beginning. Cool, got it. He's the one who drowned. But we just keep tiptoeing up to it. Like, I would hate these movies more if I did not have the lowest expectations because, like, the only good part of any of these movies is a guy who plays Pinhead and he's not even in the last two because the money they offered him was so embarrassing he wouldn't bother to show up. So he's kind of like Ragnar so with the Vikings? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the best comparison so I, I could do. I'm I know where I'm ending up with this, and it's it's essentially just me checking these movies off a list and never thinking about them for the rest of my life. Because I watched all the Nightmares, all the Fridays, all the fucking Leprechauns. Like, I've watched all these movies before, but never gone down this rabbit hole. So is this one, was this Hellseeker one, was this in theaters? No. Oh, okay. Five, five was the star to direct it. I swear to God, I thought two was the last one in theaters. When I found out three and four both made it theatrically. <laughs> Man, the, the, boy, did I look like a real asshole. <laughs> yeah, it turns out 
So these are done by Dimension Films. It's like, oh, that makes sense because they're also the people that put out the Children of the Corn sequels and the Crow sequels. If it makes more than $14, they will just churn one out every two years. Oh, goody. (laughs) Yeah, it is the same movie, but somehow worse. I mean, look, that's a real fucking coin flip. You can keep both of them. But I went ahead and cleanse my palate afterwards because I, the human body can only take so much. As these movies so demonstrate. I went to Redbox. Oh, pain and pleasure indivisible. I've Chris. never seen any one of these, but I did read a couple of the uh, Wikipedia's for these, and uh, guess what? Also incomprehensible. You should watch the first one. I, I will at some point. But even if you get nothing out I of mean, it. I mean, they got the, the guy from Dirty practical, The practical effects in the first one are incredible. It is gorgeous. And for a guy who didn't know anything about directing, I, you know, I, I'm going to give this a shot. Yeah, it is very much worth watching. Yeah. Two, it takes place like two hours later, so it's a direct continuation. After, after two, like you are, you're fine. Especially knowing how little you care for most slashers in general, you are fine. I mean, it's. I, I just want to give it a chance, you know. <sighs> That's what I said. <laughs> I watched Hellraiser 6. You know, it's a really good thing, thing that we didn't shuffle these up, because I don't want to go back and forth while I watch Al Dard, and so for my next Hellraiser movie. <laughs> I, By the way, I watched all four of those within the last, like, two days. That's how I spent my day off, folks. <laughs> those outposts weren't going to liberate themselves, okay? <laughs> what am I going to do, just play the game and be alone with my thoughts? Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> so these last two... Only two left. I'll hammer off real quick. Went to Redbox today, picked up Pitch Perfect 3 and Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Pitch uh, Perfect 3 is fine. I'm glad that your girlfriend made you watch this. Did you enjoy it? It's fine. Are you like a Pitch Perfect I fan should... or something like that? I can't imagine watching the first Pitch one, Perfect. First one's pretty good. I'm not watching Second Pitch one Perfect. is also fine. Third one equally fine. I paid a dollar fifty to rent it. I didn't feel like I wasted my time or money. I just watched four Hellraiser sequels. It was a masterpiece. It sounds like a yeah. It sounds like a bit of a palate cleanser there. Well, it's, it's good. We both watched a musical. You watched uh, Pitch Perfect three. I watched Song of the South. We kind of came out of it the same. <laughs> Pretty much the same movie. If you yeah, think about basically. It. And Jumanji two. I'm gonna be real with you. It's, it's pretty fun. Jumanji two. Wait, do you mean the Jumanji remake? You can call it whatever you want. Whatever it is. I don't know what it... So, you know. It vaguely references the first movie, kind of. It is... I'm not going to say it's great, because... I mean, come on. It's... But, like... A movie goes a long way when you can tell the people on screen are having fun. That's what I keep hearing. And and Jack Black is having so much fun. As soon as I saw Jack... Oh, Jack Black plays a millennial girl. I was just like, oh, come on. But... Uh, apparently he, he's having, one of the better parts of the movie he is having the time of his life in that role and that that rubs off like when you can tell an actor is clearly having fun just chewing up scenery just making facial expressions like yeah it's a good time I can tell our good friend Once again, though, was somewhat triggered by this movie this <laughs> treatment of manlets <laughs> but once again big budget movie big studio movie don't need to be two hours <laughs> We can just chop that shit off at 91 minutes and roll credits and we're fine. But, uh, yeah, surprisingly good. And you know, we've been talking about Jack Black recently. (laughs) Jack Black, strong contender. 
for my god I did not even realize I bookended 15 movies with Jack Black one with him wearing <laughs> dreads and Rasta shades and selling weed to teenagers oh my god that was him in that picture that sure was oh my god dude I am so gonna make you watch Never Ending Story 3 god damn it it can't be worse than what I've already done to myself this week oh honey <laughs> I mean, I can watch that, and I can pick which Hellraiser you watch, and we can compare whoa, whoa, notes. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, 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 It's weird how all of a sudden you're not confident anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, did you watch anything else? Unfortunately, incredibly off-brand of me, I did not see Pacific Rim. You know what? I did not see a giant robot fighting monsters movie, and you saw wrestling. So our brand is in shambles right now. <laughs> I mean, I still watched a two-hour French movie. I watched... How many hours of French movies did I watch? I watched four hours of French movies this week. God, that is... Look, I'm not proud. That's more than I've probably seen in the last decade. <laughs> one of these days I'll make you watch a good one, like Ame Lee. Ame Lee is really good. Uh, I watch a lot of anime. Yeah. Uh, Parker, you've seen Scream beforehand, so this is basically cheating for you. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember when Scream came... Well, sort of. I was only, like, six years old, uh, but I do remember Same. that, like... In elementary school on Halloween, you were allowed to dress up as you know whatever. I remember I dressed up as a street shark, and uh, that's pretty dope. And I remember hey, there a, were a couple a kids who would you know they would actually go to Spencer's gifts and get the actual scary costumes that I wanted no part of. Uh, some of those costumes were actually scary, uh, but I remember <laughs> the scream mask was pretty popular among some of the bad kids in my grade, and uh, <laughs> I was just like, oh, I don't know about that. It's like that movie's rated R. Oh, mommy and daddy won't let me see that one. Uh, one of the kids said, "Oh, I I dressed up as Freddy Krueger," and I was just like, "Freddy Krueger? What is he in third grade or something like that?" <laughs> <laughs> that was a devastating own back when you were in God, second grade. Even. <laughs> Even as a second grader, you're a fucking movie snob. That owns. I didn't know who. I, I went right home, but I was, and I was. I was. Dad, you know a guy named Freddy Krueger? He's like, oh, he's from movies that he kills people in their dreams. And I was just like, what? And he start fucking crying. No, I was just like, really? That's kind of lame. How does he do that? He's like, I don't know. Uh, actually, he's really cool, and he's got funny quips, and he uses a power glove. It's really cool. Okay. Uh, you're gonna watch all of them but I, I do remember the, like, the scream mask was going on I was like what, what's his special power what can he do that no one else does and they're like oh no it's just it's he's a killer and he kills people with a knife I was just like oh it's not very creative is it <laughs> fast forward more than 20 years later and my good friend Parker tells me that how have you not watched this yet you fucking idiot you loser you buffoon you goddamn oaf. You hideous ape. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, I watched an 18 hour movie about a girl in a holocaust sadly peeling an onion. <laughs> fucking watch Scream already so we can talk about it. Uh, well, you know what? I, I don't know that we can talk much more about uh, horror before this, but we can talk about slashers really quick. Like, oh, if we think about yeah. slashers, we already know the big three are Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween. Only two of those movies are good. And before that, you would have, like, the granddaddy of all mall, which would be Psycho. And yeah. you want to, like, put those four as, like, the Mount Rushmore of slashers. But honestly, after seeing Scream, can we please, as a society, just bump off Friday the 13th? Just admit that it was never good. Look, you can't take those warm childhood memories of watching the edited versions on AMC every October away from me. 
Most things I watch aren't good, but that won't stop the crippling nostalgia from making me care for him. Look, I'm just mad because this movie tried to put me in the movie and, and had me played by Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> Do not steal my valor, first of all. Uh, How dare you? Well, let's get to the opening. Uh, the opening's easily the best part of this movie. Uh, you, you told me about it. You're like, whatever the, the rest of the movie, you have to admit that the opening scene is really good. And I agree. The opening scene I was, is I was prepared pretty to much perfect. I was prepared to fucking throw down. If you were like, eh, I didn't really care for it, we were going to have words. There were a couple moments where I was like, are, are they? do they mean to do this? And then I was like, okay, yeah, they are. Uh, the, the the biggest thing I was thinking about it was just like, the main character that they have right here, this was, a, what was it, Drew Barrymore or something? Yes. Uh, Drew Barrymore was not acting in a realistic way. She was doing stuff that... It's, it's just people don't act like that. And then I realized, I was like, oh, they're in on the gag. It's like, they are doing this specifically for their audience. This is a very audience-friendly movie. This is exactly the movie that you rent on VHS with a pizza and a couple sodas and bring the gang all over and you watch it and you yell at the screen, no, don't do that, or, or, or stuff like that. And that makes the movie better than it would have been if than if she had acted in a realistic way. If she had acted in a realistic way, the movie would have been so much worse. Because, like, it starts off, the guy calls her, and immediately his voice is creepy. And she just keeps on talking to this guy. She keeps, you know, playing along with him. I, I have to admit, as soon as that happens, I'm hanging up. If he calls again, I'm just hanging up immediately every single time. Because it's just annoying. Uh... This one, the 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 interplay between them kind of sets up where they're going with. Do you like scary movies? It's like, okay, here are the rules for scary movies, and the entire time I was like, Parker, is that you on the other end of the line? <laughs> what, what I'm gonna are you give doing? you some movie you trivia outside? now. will get killed. Have you ever seen a scary movie before? God, <laughs> <laughs> just me being very condescending through a voice changer. I have to admit. uh as soon as things started getting uh, really heavy in that scene, I actually had to pause the movie and get up and make sure my door was locked. <laughs> it's like... I have a lot of not nice things to say about Wes Craven. I like the original Nightmare on Elm Street a lot. Me too. That's about it. I do not enjoy most of his movies. I think it's... I mean, Master of Horror. That is, that's John Carpenter. You can call yourself whatever you want, but we all know the answer is John Carpenter. Yeah. But this intro, like, it's... If this was a short film, if it was just, this is it, this 20 minutes, it's fucking perfect. Yeah, like, you probably win perfect. some sort of Academy Award for it. Like, every student in every film class should have to watch it go, hey, here's how you build tension. Watch this and dissect it for the next six weeks. In fact, this would be in, like, the intro class for how to build tension because it's fairly obvious. One of the things that they do with the Jiffy Pop... They make that kind of like the timer for the movie, you know? They're like, okay, this is what we're doing, you know? Just follow the Jeffy Pop if you get lost. This is how we're building our tension, you know? Uh, personally, I I liked it. The, the satire is immediately apparent. It's like, okay, we're trying to do this. You know, it's very self-aware and in a good way. This is kind of a movie where it keeps jabbing you with the ribs and going, get it, get it, but in a way where it's like, yeah, we know we're kind of playing our hand heavy here. Not like Mother, where he thinks he's subtle. Uh, <laughs> this movie is not subtle, but it's not trying to be. No. And I kind of appreciate it like that, you know? I, I think it does it very well. In fact, you mentioned that the opening is a bit of a reference to... Uh, uh, I don't what remember. On, on Golden Pond. And yes. really, 
On the waterfront. It's also... You've never seen that. Fuck you. Yes, I have. You've seen On the Waterfront? That came out in 1954. Well, don't tell anyone. It's going to ruin my brand. <laughs> I could have been a content I'm, creator. I'm not going to cut it. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it. We're, next week's episode... Uh, <laughs> my soul to take. No. Wes Craven returns no, to the okay, original no, no. property. No, uh, that is... Ooh, that's a movie right there. This, the opening's actually also, I think, a pretty obvious reference to Psycho. Because what they did is they killed off their lead actress uh, in the first couple of minutes. Drew Barrymore does not make it out alive, just like they did with uh, the lead actress in Psycho. And, hey, I think that's a brilliant choice. People are like, oh, I want to go see the new Drew Barrymore movie. It's like, no, 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 no. She is extremely dead in this. <laughs> she dies so brutally and it's not just the death that's brutal it's what they do to her body afterwards it's so brutal yeah, just see that it's a scary visual i always forget like oh fuck that's right they just they show you yeah they fuck that poor woman up for no reason yeah uh well no reason we'll get to that in a little bit <laughs> now i wrote down one of my see this movie is also a mystery uh before we get any further parker should we spoil it at the end i think we should I mean, we can spoil it now. It is. I think you were the only person I, listening well, that well, hadn't no, seen no, it. Let's spoil it at the end. Okay. Okay. Because uh, one of my uh, one of my notes here was, did I miss how he gets in the house? She's getting these calls from this guy, and uh, she's immediately dutifully locking up all the doors in her house. And I'm like, good idea. That's exactly what I would do, and am doing right now. And. Uh, I was like, there's no way he could possibly get her. Okay, so he killed her boyfriend, but whatever. Uh, she should be safe in there. And then somehow he gets in there. I'm like, now how did he kill the guy out there and get into the house? That's a little bit of a hint. And I, I completely missed it. I should have seen it. If a movie has a mystery that can fool me and it still has clues there, I'm impressed in some capacity. I liked it a lot. And by the way, what's the last question he asked her? Am I at the front door or the back? Both, bitch. Oh man, that's oh, that's a good. By the one. way, when you rewatch it, you can absolutely like it's written well. You can do the math of who is where at what time. You can deduce who is wearing the costume at which point in the movie. That like the entire definitely time. makes sense. It's there's some good ass rewatches, man. Now there's it's one of those where Susie forgot. You're like. Fucking rewind that VHS. We've got it from one more night, baby. <laughs> Good call. That's see again rewatch value. This is one of the ones you you were supposed to like rent on VHS and get a pizza or two and some Did sodas. And, Doesn't that uh, just sound like the best? Does, does she just want to do that right now? I actually kind of scream do, and get, you know? get some pizza and some soda and just watch the scream right now. Yeah, exactly. Now one of the other notes I thought, and this is something that I, I do care strongly about I think that establishing the killer as mortal and communicative early on that's kind of a bold departure from form think about the other slashers that I mentioned only one of them has a killer that is at all communicative that's Freddy Krueger in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street even uh, the killer in Psycho which I prefer not to spoil even though it came out in 1960 uh, he doesn't communicate or she who knows uh, but uh the other one is mortality. Only the killer in Psycho of those original four that I mentioned is mortal. The other three are, they are immortal. They may pretend otherwise, but Michael Myers is basically immortal. Uh, Freddy Krueger is definitely immortal, more supernatural, and Jason is absolutely immortal. 
This is the only slasher villain you can straight up just kick in the dick and run away. Which people he do repeatedly. like a motherfucker. Yeah, he does. And his it's, groans and his grunts are, are half the fun of the movie. It's so good. Just falling down like a horse's ass. Because, as you find out, I mean, you don't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, then I, I wrote down... a bunch of spooky movies like, yeah, I could probably do that. Then I wrote down, and I do actually believe this, this is the best opening in slasher history. It's... It's gotta be. Now there are it's perfect. Well that's the thing is like we have to think about the other two or the other four slasher big ones there that had uh, you know, opens that were strong. I think we can count immediately Nightmare on Elm Street right out. Its open wasn't anywhere near strong enough. And we can count out the opening of Friday the thirteenth, as well as pretty much everything in that garbage movie for idiot babies. And that we're left with two very strong openings. Psycho's opening, which is a very long one, uh, it's basically the murder of their main character, or their their lead actress, which kind of threw people for a loop there, which is very film noir, and unfortunately just does not have, like, the tension requisite. And then there's also the very famous open in Halloween. It's, That's a, good it's, it's very, in. very tough, very, very different opens, very different points of view, different lengths, uh, different ways to sort of establish a mood. I have to give the edge to Scream here. Uh, two masters of horror going at it. I'm just going to give it to Wes Craven now. And I think that he has the benefit of hindsight. You know, he can look at all these other movies and say, okay, I'm going to do this here. I'm going to do this here. I'm going to reference this. I'm going to kind of shout he out can, to the audience here. He, he can literally look at Halloween and go, I'm just going to put that in my movie now. Yep. And see, that's, which it's almost unfair. Which works but like, perfectly. I mean, it's not like it's an actual competition. So uh, anyway, the movie then goes to. I mean, just one last thing yeah. about that opening. Yeah. If this was playing at Alamo tomorrow night, wouldn't you go just to see that opening in a crowd? I would miss trivia sure to would. do it, yeah. I would 100% go see this in a crowded room. And then I don't know what the rest of the movie would play like in theaters. Again, this this really does feel like a VHS movie to me. In That is the highest compliment, all right? Because it's not like the movie looks bad, you know? Like, yeah. Starship Troopers was also a VHS movie as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know? But VHS, in a different way. Going to Blockbuster and rent this movie is very on brand for this show. Exactly. You know, I never actually went to uh, Blockbuster growing up. What the fuck? No, I lived in a town without a single stoplight. We had to go to John's Video. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, they, I, I had the realization that I would live my best life if I could just run a video store. Dude, I, like exactly. I really miss video stores. It's like, yeah, you know, Netflix or whatever. It was like, man, can you imagine running a video store? know how many garbage movies i watched just from i was remember being young and just be, walking through the horror section getting scared by some of the covers. dude me too i felt so alive i got scared by the jack frost cover i was a pussy dude same every time so uh uh neve campbell neve campbell nev navi yes nev nev campbell nev campbell nev campbell nev campbell is in her room and Alex is going to be so mad at you. Yeah. Nev Campbell is in her room. Nev. Nev Campbell. Okay. Nev. Nev. Nev Campbell is this. in her room, and uh, she's doing homework, I can't tell, whatever, on her computer, and her extraordinarily handsome boyfriend climbs in through the window like that guy from Clarissa Explains It All. And <laughs> You also thought of that, huh? <laughs> first thing, I, when, uh, that's the thing, is like, I was never going to do that for any of my uh, high school sweethearts, because uh, <laughs> all I could think about was Clarissa Explains It All. I was like, if I put up a ladder to her window, I'm going to hear that guitar twang. Uh, <laughs> 
he is girls just called me Ferguson because <laughs> I repulsed them. She, <laughs> her boyfriend is played by Skeet Ulrich. Every single movie we do on this podcast has at least one name that sticks with us. A man that handsome should not be named Skeet. <laughs> it's very unfortunate. How do you get that far in Hollywood? No one's like, have you thought about like Jonathan? <laughs> How about Kevin? Uh, Kevin Ulrich. I have to admit, as they talk, uh, they play a pretty subtle cover of Don't Fear the Reaper. I didn't even notice. Exactly. That. That's the thing. Ordinarily, that's one of those things where... Like, remember when they played uh, one of those songs in, like, uh, Suicide Squad? I was like, oh, subtle. Yeah. Get it? Yeah, I do. Super freak. She's she's wearing shorts that don't fully cover her butt. Uh, she is not one of your little toys. Exactly. Uh, but here, Don't Fear the God Reaper, that's it. not bad, you know? So uh, I, I could only barely know. I had to, like, suss it out. I was like, wait, what? I know those words, but the melody's a little bit different. I don't know. My dad rocks senses are going a <laughs> pretty much let me, let me check my rolodex you know the yeah, weirdest yeah. fucking thing is uh they uh, some people consider the original version of don't fear the reaper to be a heavy metal song Look, that's not some heavy people metal. have incorrect opinions exactly and that's fine. oh speaking of heavy metal mastodon did the soundtrack for jonah hex <laughs> oh my god that's right it's the most butt metal i've ever heard in my life oh my god i forgot about that <laughs> It's not good. Man. Speaking of soundtracks I don't like, might as well get this out of the way right now. (laughs) Here's, I don't know if this is a hot take, but one of my biggest criticisms of the movie is a soundtrack. I don't hate it, but I can, I I think I can safely call it bad. The soundtrack is, it's just bad. Correct. Oh, you don't like the part where school's out, so they play School's Out by Alice Cooper? No, that's not... No, okay. I don't think you understand. <laughs> I meant the score, because personally, I love Alice oh, Cooper. Okay. I will defend him at all costs. But... Oh, same. We've had multiple Feed My Frankenstein discussions. Oh, yes. That's, that is not up for debate. Yeah, but for me, again, it's the score. The actual thing when you can hear someone being killed, because the score matters in a horror movie, particularly in a slasher. Think about the score in Psycho. No one will ever forget that score. Think about the score in Halloween. No one will ever forget that score. We all remember... Think about the score in Maximum Overdrive. Just the guitar riff doing the psycho strings. Thank you, ACDC. <laughs> and uh, don't we, we can't who forget the... Who? We even remember the theme song to uh, Friday the 13th. Even if it's not good, we still remember it. And I'm pretty sure there was probably a good theme song... or Not, not theme song, but at least like something for Nightmare on Elm Street. This, the score is, I, I don't know. I, I heard something about, like, the the audio guy who was like, I tried to score it more like a Western or something. It's like, well, the least you could have done is get the trumpets in tune. Because I don't know <laughs> what the trumpets are doing, but they sound awful. Yeah, honestly, I have, like, no memory of a, of the score, which is not a good thing when it comes to having a music cue in a slasher movie. Now, I didn't... Usually, if you don't recognize it, that's not a good sign. Now, this movie did have my full undivided attention, but I don't feel confident that I could describe it scene by scene. I mean, because it's, you know, it's a whodunit, so yeah. there's a lot of, all right, let's go to this place, yeah. and what the fuck's going on now? Oh, Henry Winkler is their principal, and, uh... <laughs> Henry Winkler, is this movie trying to tell me Henry Winkler might be killing these kids? Uh... He's just holding scissors. Yeah, he, and they kept doing that shit sound effect for uh, all the sharp objects, which I liked. Uh, I have to admit, 
when he got killed, that kind of threw me for a loop. I'll explain why in a second. Uh, first of all, he's going a little bit over the top. Uh, <laughs> when he threatens to, like, he says, you you kids ought to be killed and your guts spilled out just because you scared some <laughs> kids at the high school. <laughs> he's having a rough go. No, I understand that. Now, his school is in shambles. In his defense, that is extremely cruel and insensitive of them. And thus, one of the best parts of the movie how old was Wes Craven when he made this movie? Uh, we can safely say he was not in high school. No. That's correct. so shocking to me because he understands high schoolers better than almost any other director I have ever seen. Besides, perhaps, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Uh, boy, he just gets high schoolers. He understands exactly what they're like. And I understand most of the people playing the high schoolers are 25 in this movie. But, my goodness, they, they're just, A, nailing the performances, the mannerisms. This is exactly what all the kids I remember in high school were like. And more important than this is that he, he constructs the movie specifically to appeal to a high school mind. And, boy, does he succeed on that front. Like, there's a, I've heard a lot of complaints from, you know, kids these days that just can't deal with the spastic acting in the script. This movie was tailor-made like, hey, are you between the ages of 16 and 21 in the year 1996? Well, guess what, motherfucker? This is going to change your life. And again, I remember high school. This is what they were, even back in 2006, like 10 years after this, people were basically like this. The fashion was different, sure, but people were still like this. You know, the, the, people Absolutely. will say this like, oh, they should have gone the mean girls route and had like, you know, the different clicks and everything like that would have been a distraction you know this yeah, movie like, is very streamlined it's like here's what high school is like was like will be like and we're going to make a movie around this and I, I think it succeeds marvelously I mean I am Randy IRL now I have always been Randy I will always be Randy now one of the things here is Neve wait Neve uh, Nev, Nev, Kevin, <laughs> Nev Campbell, uh, Nev, Nev, Nev. She had a character. Oh, Nev plays a character named Sydney. I'll remember Sydney. So Sid, they call her. Now I'm thinking of the bad guy from Toy Story. Sorry, I'm trying to get on with this fucking story here. Sid, your uh, pop tarts already. All right. Just last year, she lost her Favorite mother, thing. and I'm like, oh, now I'll be able to relate with her. Nope. Uh, she was murdered. So uh, she's really mad about it, and she she punches the shit out of this uh, this TV reporter played by Courtney Cox, of all people, who uh, I can see why. Uh, Courtney Cox called her a liar at, at the trial or stuff like that. And basically, uh, her mother was killed by a man named Cotton. And when she says, Cotton murdered my mother, I immediately fill it, and also, Fitty Man! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh after he killed all the tojos uh he was locked away in prison <laughs> and uh i that's when i started to piece together i was like okay this is a mystery so i was kind of like okay now who would be going around who would want to kill her because she is uh the target nev is one of the main targets and she's constantly harassed by this ghost face killer uh so i started to think oh here's the motive uh 
this Cotton character might be innocent. So perhaps he was put away under, like, uh, he was put away wrongfully. So maybe it's like his son or his distant relative or something who's trying to get revenge for him or something like that. You know, that's immediately what came to my mind. We'll, we'll explore this later on. But uh, overall, uh, that doesn't come back too strong. But, you know, uh, I don't know. I Don't worry, it does in the sequel. Oh, fan fucking tastic uh by the way scream is great but you know you're fine you can stop at one chris i won't judge you uh, thank you how kind of you it's diminishing returns i thought you were going to say scream is fine but the second act i i am a little i think i might be a little bit kinder to the second act than you are i think it's just mostly because i've seen it a hundred times that's a good point yeah. so you know on the 33 watches like Okay, here comes the hour where we just reference other horror movies. Which is fine, but there's like a whole lot that goes into it. You know, Henry Winkler... Okay, the the one thing I didn't like, and... Okay, this is this is like one of those requisite moments here, but like... Henry Winkler has the Ghostface Killer thing, and he looks out his door, the the door of his office, and he sees Wes Craven in uh, a oh, Freddy Krueger sweater. I get it. I, I get it, guys. And he that, calls him Fred. Like, okay. Yeah, it's like, it. hey, remember Boo. this other movie? It's like, yeah, we know you directed it. It's, it's not really that cool, you know? Like, everything else in there, every single other reference, I'm fine with. Like, there's a Frankenstein reference. They just show a clip from Frankenstein. I'm like, hey, I like that because it's like 19... That's how far back we'll go for horror, like 1932. That's that's cool. I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, that too. But, like, <laughs> mentioning uh, all the details of Halloween, that's that's good. You know, mentioning all this other stuff. It's kind of like a little film hit because, okay, you and I watch a lot of movies. There are people who don't watch anywhere near as many movies as we do. People don't know all the stuff about, oh, you know, the innocent virgin doesn't get killed or something like that. So it's kind of nice to have this movie sort of educate people on that and i have to admit i i kind of like it i mean we gotta remember slashers were dead like even today like i'm pretty sure there is a generation of kids who know who jason is but have never seen a friday the 13th movie but they know oh yeah hockey mask and machete like slasher movies were in the fucking gutter only spurgs like us were watching all of them they wouldn't know these rules that's a good point uh so we go on and i'm gonna skip freddy's dead jesus what that movie <laughs> that's that's what was in theaters horror wise it's fucking nightmare six friday 13th part nine it was this was bad times so i guess we can go ahead and uh i guess i'll do the best i can to describe the second act her best nev's best friend rose mcgowan is in this and shout out to Rose McGowan she's uh, doing a pretty good job in this movie isn't she yeah I think it just about everyone's pretty good uh, we'll get to my favorite one in a bit Skeet Ulrich is doing <laughs> yeah, about his best 90s uh, handsome guy as he can although he he kind of looks a, a, a lot like uh, who's the guy who's always in those Tim Curry movies not in Tim Burton movies <laughs> Johnny Depp he looks a very Johnny Depp-ish in this doesn't he Boy, he's Doesn't he? absolutely doing it. Johnny Depp from the first yeah, nightmare. Yeah, he is. See? Except, except with muscles. <laughs> I don't think I've seen... Just looking pained and... Hey, Sid. Yeah, I can't believe... Yeah, they get into a fight and she's a little bit mean to him. Just because she lost her mother a year ago. And, okay, he is kind of cruel to say, why don't you just get over it? Like, I have to admit, I, I kind of wanted to hit him in the face there. But kind of rude of her to just accuse him of being the murderer. 
Sid, I gotta bust this. Up, <laughs> it's been a year. Just, just under the, just a hand under the covers, please, God. I'm just, I'm fucking at wits end. Here. I have to uh, have to admit that does make their opening scene the interplay between them. It was a little bit confusing when he said, "Hey, when we first started out, we were kind of R-rated and NC-17." And they says, "Don't worry, I won't break your underwear rule. Can I just do some over the clothes fooling around?" And I was just like, "Wait." NC-17, that usually means you make fuck. Uh, what, what What were you doing? That was... Pure unrated sex. Grinding. <laughs> they went to Chuck E. Cheese and he slapped her bottom. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what they were doing that was NC-17, but uh, now I'm a little bit curious. And she's like, would you sell for PG-13? Then flashes him. And I immediately went, almost went, uh, actually, because... Uh, the only time that you see bare breasts in a PG-13 movie is what? Uh, it's got to be Titanic, right? Yeah, that's man, that's probably it, I honestly. Think that, I think that's it. And that was like a big-ass deal. They're like, oh, can we do that? Like, well, I don't know, if I get away with this Titanic, you're going to see it anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's a really quick one. And, and, then, and then she's like, okay, go down the ladder. Good night. And I was like, gee, thanks. <laughs> I love shit like that. Um, this also has Jamie Kennedy as the movie nerd. Real fucking funny movie. Why don't you take this act and go on the road with your stand-up act? Fucking idiot. You think you're so fucking clever yeah. making fun of yeah. me. Sure, I memorize all these horror movies that no other people watch. And sure, I incessantly reference them. Because I can't like form human connections without a brand or a product as a reference point. And sure, all I do is watch movies. And sure, I don't fuck. Listen, Jamie so Kennedy... So in the next scene, skate over. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy got his just desserts when he decided to do Son of the Mask. So, good for you, dickhead. And Matthew Lillard is in this. Let's talk about Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard is... I, I've had kind of like a mixed opinion sort of thing on him. I liked him in Without a Paddle... Uh, Man. And I, you really like him as Shaggy in Scooby-Doo. I think you said he was the perfect choice for the role. But th- That whole movie's cast, regardless of the movie's quality, that cast. That's the thing. is, as, like, as much as you say that, I just hate the movie itself. So I, I can never get fair. into it. That's fair. I'm not going to. But for what it's worth, he's also. He, that's the thing is I can forgive him because he was also really good in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Yes, I'm mentioning it again. Uh, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. seeing him in this movie, hopefully he's on point. Boy, he's on point. I mean, he's really over the top. The very much the yo, dude, this is weird, man. You know, this is so totally whacked out. And I, I like it. I, I, I think he's doing a good job. You know, uh, I, uh, I could definitely go with maybe even more of this. I think this is one where it's a little bit of a controversial choice here because a lot of people did not like his performance. They said it was like, it was so over the top that it got a little bit hard to believe, especially towards the climax. But personally, I loved it. I mean, he's just doing as much Matthew Lillard as he can. If I'm watching a 90s horror movie, I want maximum Matthew Lillard. That's just, that's peanut butter and chocolate right there for me. Absolutely. I want shitty industrial metal. I want Matthew Lillard. And I want meta jokes about movies only 18 people have seen. That's it. 
Give me that. Oh, speaking of, so they so they enact a curfew. So they're like Bethy Lou. It's like let's all come to our house. I mean, let's all come to my house. Yeah, man, we'll have sex and uh, watch a movie. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm into it. This is great. I'm I'm looking for the pizzas. No one got pizza. I was like, man, this would be a great time for some pizza. Going to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles after this. They're going to get a pizza. And uh, <laughs> he's I think he's dating Rose McGowan in this movie. Is that right? Think so. I think that's like the pairing that they I've have. seen this movie a hundred times and I could not tell. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Other. He's dating Rose McGowan. I remember because Jamie Kennedy is a left out virgin. So, uh. Hell, <laughs> same. <yeah. laughs> anyway, so, uh. He ends up killing, uh, Rose McGowan in the, uh. Or the killer ends up killing Rose McGowan in the garage. And a couple fun Ooh, things about the scene. A uh, couple notes about this Rose McGowan's nips. <laughs> Cause like you can't tell me not to mention them. It's like I was gonna go a very different way. Those are not bared, but I've never seen him poke through his shirt that much. It's like goodness gracious, was it cold when you filmed this? Well, I was gonna go in the direction of ask someone who watched this as a child. That scene, holy. Man, if the garage door was moving at my house, I was 10 feet away from it until it was all the way up or all the way down. <laughs> that scene stuck with me, even though that could realistically never, ever, ever oh, happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the odds not. of ever getting trapped, like even getting trapped under one, like. Spe- yeah, that's the thing a is. Better chance of getting hit eight times by lightning. But boy, that scene just. <laughs> fuck, man. In my house, it was, the jo- it was my job to take out the trash and recycling, and it was always really late at night whenever I decided to do it, and like. Our, our uh, garage door was really fucking loud. It just kind of unnerved me or whatever. I don't know, but it always... I wasn't scared. I was just surprised. And uh, <laughs> the thing is, like, I know that mechanism now by heart. That would never actually happen the way that it was done. Although a couple other unbelievable things about that. Rose McGowan found out during the performance she could fit through that small pet door on her own. Yeah, she was able to do it several Must times. Be nice. And here's the problem: uh, she was able to fit through it far too easily, so she kept falling out. They had to nail her shirt to the door in order to nah. keep her in there. And nah, you can keep this silly movie. I'm going home. Yeah, and then uh, she actually said, "This is the movie she's had the most fun making." Weird. She didn't enjoy making Death Proof. Anyway, <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> we gotta be like that. Or Planet of Terror. <laughs> uh, but uh, which I love. Damn. But uh, apparently, she was stuck in that door for hours after they uh, nailed her in there. So it's like, look, we really gotta nail this scene here. And she left when she was like bruised on her entire side that was in there. So that part doesn't sound like fun. But apparently, she really enjoyed making this, which is odd because. Uh, <clears throat> Did you uh, see the uh, the <coughs> the executive producers, <laughs> the Weinstein's? Yeah. yeah. Look, we don't have to talk. Yeah, about let's that. not. Uh, but anyway, that's a good yeah. scene, and yeah, that is as a kid that would have scared the fuck out of me. Yeah, reminder: nineteen ninety-six. I was six years old. I probably didn't see it for a couple years, but either way, I was probably around. 10 to 12 when I saw it still fucked with me royally. Yeah, I can see why. And I have to admit, though, uh, this did give me, I think, maybe my favorite, okay, my second favorite line in the movie. What is this? I spit on your garage? 
<laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just I, I think that one's really funny. Uh, I wish she had lived. I actually liked her character. Um, I didn't like the way she treated her older brother Dewey, but uh, he was a shitty oh, character. Poor Dewey. So. <laughs> poor Dewey. Who lived? Oh, Detective Dewey. Through all fucking. Form. But did his brother Malcolm? Anyway, uh, I hate you. I. I hate you <laughs> but anyway uh yeah rose mcgowan eats it and uh so they're all watching this horror movie they're watching a uh, halloween you may have heard of it and uh at one point they're all watching is like i think he says one of the rules they're like oh what's that and he pauses the movie and stands up and walks next to the tv this is the one part where wes craven starts to lose me it's like you should have gone to at least one scary movie watching session with your high school friends that you're like shadowing or whatever here, because anyone who pauses a movie or even like a game, and gets up near the TV to explain something. He is going to get booed relentlessly and have the remote control thrown at him several times. Correct. Like if you're planning a movie marathon, you prepare in advance. I don't care what grading grandstanding speech you had. Yeah, exactly. Last year, me and my friend, we did, uh, all six of the Star Wars movies in a row. And uh, after episode three, we like stopped and went to get food. And boy, you want to talk about really missing that hour when you're on fucking indoor and your eyes are hurting. <laughs> All I'm saying is, Jamie Kennedy, get your fucking shit together. You can talk over the movie. And Just saying. And then he's like, I don't know, he's a little too into Halloween. Like, I like Halloween a lot. I think that's a really good movie. Not at all surprising. But, like... Come on, dude. Like, he's like, and here it is, the requisite titty shot. And it was just like, I mean, PJ Souls doesn't look that great, does she? <laughs> it's in frame for like five seconds. She's like, like what you see? And I'm just like, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like, to me, it's the little stuff in that movie that I like so much more when he's just hanging out in the sil- Whatever. We could talk about Halloween anytime. But uh, this is one of the best parts of the movie where. It'll, it's kind of following the same sort of sequence. They use like the same stings from Halloween, you know, set stuff up like the killer will appear as it plays a dee 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 in the background. And uh, he's telling Jamie Lee Curtis, and his name is Jamie Kennedy, uh, to turn around while, as a killer is right behind him. I thought that was really cool. Meanwhile, there's a news fan outside that has uh, a 30 second delay. That was a really creative Dude, thing right there. That realization, the oh shit tape delay, she gets his fucking throat slit. That was great. You know, that was, I, I really liked that one anyway neve nivy neve campbell uh navi uh michael campbell decides to yes. have uh actual real life sex with skeet ulrich you know why would you skeet ulrich anyway yeah he decides to go by skeet ulrich and they make sex and uh I think she enjoyed it. I can't tell. It's whatever. And again, it is set up kind of well with uh, with uh, with Halloween where he says, and here comes the titty shot. And it cuts to her removing her bra. I was just like, all right, that's that's actually, again, this is not, this is very much a get it, get it, get it kind of movie, but it's all like, yeah, all right, dude, you little wisecracker. But the difference is I have fun getting it. Exactly. No, that's I'm enjoying one. the act of getting and, it. And the movie knows it's not subtle. The movie is, the movie's actively trying to play its hand as heavy as possible. It's trying to be like, okay, seriously, I know we're working with teenagers here. I'm hoping that the teenagers are are getting this. And it's treating the teenagers like they're dumb. Guess what? Teenagers are dumb. Teenagers are dumb as shit. And that's fine. 
so the party's going on. It's kind of dying down, and they realize, oh, Henry Winkler just got killed and got hung from one of the goalposts. <laughs> so their reaction here is another one that's kind of a sore point with some of the fans who are like, oh, that's not realistic. People would be kind of scared if it was their principal. And I was just like, boy, you really don't know high schoolers. High schoolers, especially they're drinking at a party. They're, yeah, they're drinking at a party. A lot of these kids are about as dumb as you can imagine. Yeah, they're going to get off in their Mustang and speed out of there and be like, "Yeah, let's go check out the dead body, man." It's like that might be people do that in college too. You know? Just, oh my god, they just found them strung up by the goalposts. Let's go check it out, and they all just leave the party. Alone. Yeah, they're laughing and having a good time with it. So perfect. Again, they. This is the high school I remember. Kids were making these sick jokes all the time. You know, and it doesn't matter that that kills off screen because like it's it's the principle. It doesn't really. Matter. Yeah, it's not important. It's it's totally fine, and they needed it. Uh, in fact, it, I re, I looked something up, and Kevin Williamson, congrats to the Atlantic for getting my favorite conservative writer. Uh, they they told him it was like, hey, you don't have a kill for thirty minutes here because you like and sort of kill. He's like, yeah, I can do that, and it made the movie better. He's like, okay, this has an excuse to get them all out of the house. From here proceeds a bloodbath. Uh, the Ghostface Killer oh, starts just killing a whole lot of people. And I think I wrote down in my notes here, it's like, okay, I think this is all about the uh, the revenge thing against Nev Campbell for, like, her mother and, like, the false accusation or whatever. But, like, why kill all these other people? Again, we'll get to this. Or will we? And, uh, like, it's in a whole bunch of kills. A lot of people are just be, And it's not so much, like, the creativity of the kills. This is not as creative with the kills as Halloween or certainly nowhere near, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, in fact, not even as creative as Friday the 13th. But I think it's more like just the number of kills. This has far more blood and far more victims than uh, Halloween does, you know? And far more victims than even Nightmare on Elm Street has. It's just, oh, this guy's dead. Now this guy's dead. Now this guy's dead. And it definitely keeps on playing with you. You know, it really has, uh, well, I might as well get to it now. Uh, one of the best twists I think I've ever seen in any horror movie. Turns out the Ghostface killer was two. There were two different killers the entire time. And now the entire time, I suspected it was Matthew Lillard. Because he was just a little too aloof, he was a little too okay, and he was a little too knowledgeable about what was going on. I was like, ah, it's got to be him. And I said to myself, no way is it the boyfriend. That's impossible. Turns out it was him, and uh, he was working with Matthew Lillard. Because uh, I can't remember the exact timing, but don't they arrest him, he's in jail, and then there's another attack afterwards while he's still in jail? Uh, there's another call. Okay. I mean, they do a really good job with red herrings. There is nothing that feels better in a movie than when a whodunit is like, it actually delivers in the end, and it feels satisfying and earned. It's, what a great feeling. Yeah, and this one actually went all the way and did it right, you know? This is one of the ones where they really accomplished what they uh, set out to do. The mystery is good. Here's where I think this is a bit of a disagreement, at least with the studio. Um... They were told, hey, you, you should have a motive for both the killers. They have to have a reason. And Kevin Williamson said, uh, oh, I just thought of a great joke. I'm going to write this down later. Uh, Kevin Williams <laughs> said, Kevin Williamson said, uh, it's like, I think, I think it's a little bit scary if they don't have a motive. And to be fair, he kind of has history on his side. You think about uh, Halloween. 
he, you don't know anything about the killer. You don't know why he's doing it. You just know that he is an unstoppable force that has to kill. And that's what makes it scary is that you don't know and that you're still thinking about it years later. And like getting the reasoning for Friday the 13th was the dumbest thing in the world. Meanwhile, we have kind of mixed opinions for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But for this, they kind of try to play it both ways. They give that uh, they give Skeet Ulrich, real name, uh, the motive is like, oh, I was sleeping with your mother, and then I just passed the buck to Cotton Hill and er, to Cotton, and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, and uh, that's why uh, my parents split up or something like that. I don't remember. Uh, I was barely listening. And meanwhile, oh, thank you. <laughs> Matthew Lillard's motive is just that he was uh, was like, oh, yeah, I don't know, peer pressure. He just seems like a weird hanger on. Yeah. Uh, I have I have got the impression for some people who ask, uh, were Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard gay for each other? Uh, don't think I so. They were both sleeping with their girlfriends, so. <laughs> that is true. They both had relationships and Skeet Ulrich's big thing the entire time was how much he wanted to have sex with Sydney. Yeah, so maybe maybe they're by, who knows. Uh I mean, this Skeet Ulrich crawled up to my window. I mean, so then they take I'm, I'm opening the window. That's all I'm saying. So folks. really what they do is they they don't have a motive for killing all these people besides I felt like killing all these people. And I I feel like you actually do have to have, like, a better motive than that, because otherwise there's not a whole lot of reasons here. And it's almost like, at this point, Matthew Lillard is sort of, like, pushing it into the red here, where he's like, yeah, you know, I watch all these movies, you know, movies don't make killers, they make killers more creative, yeah, man, great joke, you know? It's like, I, I don't know, he was just a little too Matthew Lillard at one point for me, but... I, again, knowing some of the kids I went to high school with, yeah, uh, some of them would have been like this. When it was some pretty I think sick he totally there. redeems himself when he starts bleeding out. <laughs> He's just getting really loopy. I, and sad. I think my mom and dad. So that loopy. was my actual favorite line in the movie, where he said, "My mom and dad are gonna be so bad." You have your own tapes, dude. <laughs> I might be dying, bro. <laughs> like that's how it has to end he sees that fish from Spongebob they help me experience high tide <laughs> <laughs> it ripped my pants too that's like, so funny it's so perfect these dipshits just stab each other too hard because they're fucking idiots <laughs> these bubbling fools who get overwhelmed like eight different times by Nev Campbell it, t- it comes time for their plan to take its final it thing. Nev Campbell or and they just accidentally murder each other. <laughs> which is good. Which is really good. Uh, he has a little too There's much energy. a lot of blood, man. It's like, that's a very uh, horror movie thing. The other thing is, like, I was so prepared for them to do the uh, space mutiny. And his eyes open. And his eyes open. And his eyes open. And his eyes open. <laughs> but no, instead that he does do that final scare thing, which again, after being shot, and then she just puts a bullet right in his head. And she's like, "Nah, not in this movie." I was like, she's done with I was kind of, like, nah, I was kind of happy. I was like, you know what? Thank you. This movie did sort of need to end. Yeah, because because uh, the middle drags a bit, but that I, I don't know about drag. I, I don't know. I, I like the second act and the third act. You it's have fine, to appreciate like, what went into the third act because they put in so much oh, yeah. work into this. I'm just saying from my perspective, knowing how incredible the intro is, and then knowing how great the party to the end of the movie is, it's like, okay, let's get to the part. I don't need to fake out in the bathroom. Let's get to the let's get to the good stuff. But on a first watch, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's fine. Yeah, you know, the second act is really fun. kind of like the makeout portion of the movie. Baking out is when you're like you're kissing a girl and like you're What's like, that like? What? Like bags of sand, I feel you. Uh well, sort of. It's more well, we'll get into that after we stop recording. So it's, uh, it, it, I appreciate what the second act is. You know, as far as watching it in a group, you can't all make out with each other. That would be disgusting. So unsanitary. Now I want pizza. Yeah, it would be really weird if we did yeah. that. <laughs> but what if we did it like as a joke? <laughs> like ironically. <laughs> right? Yeah, and then we like filmed it and made our own movie out of it. Guys, yeah. I want to be a director when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can stab each other. And we just die, like, holding hands, like, with our perfect plan. No, Parker. Because we did it. No, a perfect plan plays in the credits, and... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a very uh, late 90s Man. butt rock band? Man, perfect no. plan. No, that's a perfect circle. Whatever. Opening for Stain. <laughs> when you told me that... MXPX and a perfect plan. We're, we're okay, we're getting off base here. So, uh, Parker, I think you know a little bit more about the critical reception to this movie than I do. Can you uh, tell me anything about it? Uh, it might surprise you, but this movie did very well. It made approximately a grillion dollars. Got pretty positive reviews for the most part. There's always going to be those sticklers who just don't care for horror. And, you know, more power to I them. Mean, you... It is mostly a dumb genre for idiots. I understand. I, I mean, here's what's going to happen is everyone's going to be like, oh, it was a little bit too violent for me. I was like, this was smelling salts, Okay. Oh, this yeah. this gave horror a new. It's like okay, you can be a genre now. You don't have to just keep remaking Freddy movies. You can like have an idea and go. Wouldn't it be cool if we did this? <laughs> and boy, if you want to talk about the movies that it spun off. If you want to talk about Scream Two coming out less than a year later. Like I was listening to We Hate Movies and they were talking about they got the VHS for Scream and it had a trailer for Scream Two on it. Like, they wasted no time. You got the sequels being rushed out. You got I Know What You Did Last Summer. You got Urban Legend. Like, it revitalized horror for a bit. But it was it was touch and go for a while. It got real dark. I mean, the big thing here is that three years after this, we got the Blair Witch Project. Oh, man. It, it just goes to show that so horror good. is fine. You know, I, I know, Blair Witch is a distinctly different movie. But... I, I just feel that, like, you're not going to get it without Scream first, you know? Yeah, that movie doesn't get picked up and go into theaters without Scream making, like, 40 times its budget back. And just a, and just a year after this, one of the other influential horror movies that was actually based on a comic book was Spawn. So, we just feel <laughs> <God>. that... <laughs> <laughs> you're going to find a way to fit John Leguizamo into every episode. <laughs> <laughs> just until he guests. <laughs> could you imagine that? oh can we talk about my good friend josh telling me that he was inspired to rewatch the opening he, apparently he's seen the pest before and said he barely remembered it uh, or something along those lines how do you forget it i i, I when he watched it when he was young he was just like i don't remember it being that bad i was just like oh that go back with me. you know and uh so he puts it on, and uh, the opening, and he was just like, oh, my God. And then he said one of the comments <laughs> for the YouTube video was just like, I use this with Chromecast and put it on my neighbor's TV. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is domestic I'd rather is like, that is. I'd rather watch this movie with all my doors unlocked. I'd rather someone <laughs> fucking Chromecast Mr. Hands onto my TV. I don't know what Mr. Hands is. <laughs> don't Google it at work. I don't think I will. Most definitely not a guy getting fucked by a horse. <laughs> what the fuck? 
<laughs> Don't worry about it. I might cut that. <laughs> no. Mr. Hands is a beloved <laughs> timeless it, meme. Parker. How dare you? <laughs> Mr. Hands is old school. Shut up. <laughs> you know what? Take it to Discord and see what they say. I'm not taking it to Discord. <laughs> I will I will include that as an extra bonus feature. <laughs> Silence my vision. I'll put it on Insta Audio or whatever or something. <laughs> Just <laughs> Mr. Hands. <laughs> Dude got fucked to death by a horse, and that's real. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> Correct. So next but week. I'd rather watch that than the opening of The Pest. <laughs> I do include The Pest as like the worst movie that no one's ever seen before. It's it's one of those that should just be buried. Someone just just take like the ET Atari game. Just go bury it in the fucking desert forever. See, that's the thing. Is you could talk all you want about how, oh, with Blockbuster gone, we won't have access to all these movies. It's like, yeah, but it's good that no one's ever going to see the pest again. <laughs> Just bury it in the fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see, that's the thing about Blockbuster that I don't understand. If we're going to pivot this into video rental places, is that as it started to die out, you'd have more movies from like the 2000s. Like, how do you get, like, would they still carry, like, 80s movies in there? I don't know, you know? Oh, you know there's an 80s section. There, there better be. You know, I someone's gonna rent the Breakfast Club at least once oh, a week. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I mean that's where you get most of your good slashers before Scream came out. I was like, okay, we got to go back to the classics here. Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, comma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me. While we're talking, we pull up that Letterbox slashers list, and I can just, uh, I can list some names off for oh, you. Goodness gracious. Do, 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 do. Page one. Oh God. Oh. Let's start here with, you know, we got Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, Sleepaway Camp 3, Child's Play 2, Texas Chainsaw 3, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Child's Play 3, Slumber Party Massacre 3, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, Jason Goes to Hell, Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Texas Chainsaw of the New Generation, Leprechaun 3, The Dentist, <laughs> Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, and then you get Scream. Like, things were not looking good. Well, <laughs> if you if you want to find an actual good movie that's not Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, we're backing up, like, almost a full decade. Things were bad. You know, this week I'm going to watch Don't Look Now, and I bet I'm going to see it before you do. I need to. But. That's one of those that's been on the... From being a kid and watching the Bravo 100 Scariest Movie Moments, that's been on a mental list for like 15 years now. Like, I should watch that. It's 1979. It's only like a year before uh, Friday the 13th. But Parker, we know what movie we're watching next week. It is time. Really hoping to get out of this. To put in your quarter into the slot. Ladies and gentlemen... It's my birthday, and you know what that means. All of my favorite 80s TV, movie, and video game characters coming in for one big party. Ladies and gentlemen, Ready Player One. And we got a special thing going on here. We do have a bet here about the uh, about the Rotten Tomatoes score. Now, Parker, I know that the Rotten Tomatoes score is currently sitting above 60%. I think that's what we did. I, I said if it's below 60, I pick a movie for you. If it's above 60, you pick a movie for me. Uh, we have to let this one sit and marinate. So uh, we'll do it uh, based the on the Rotten Tomatoes score at the time that we record. Is that fair? 
Sure. Okay, that's give it a little bit of time. All the critics consensus. We're going by critics here, not the audience, because I know the audience will give it a no. Anyone who looks at the audience score is a cop. (laughs) There's no need to ever read the audience score. Because guess what? The audience is fucking stupid. (laughs) Exactly. The audience makes a 40 minute cut of Star Wars because there's too many ladies in it. <laughs> the audience gives the the cut that we saw ninety seven percent because they're trying to justify their purchase for what was objectively a bad movie. Anyway, next week we're gonna. <laughs> I wanted to get out of this so badly. <laughs> well, Ready Player One. Yes. I mean, come on. Like I'm sure. Like from what I've heard, I'm sure it will be fine. Absolutely fine with some really eye-rolling parts, but overall well-made and fine. I heard one person... I just do not care. I heard one person say uh, that it was definitely better than the novel, but only because there's no way it could be worse than the novel. (laughs) That is a fair assertion. Might have been Mike Nelson, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I'm sure it's acceptable. Like, at the end of the day, as much as we've been talking for literal months now... How bad could it possibly be? Like, it's Steven Spielberg. Like, there's there's a suck line. Like, it's not... It's probably going to be better than 90% of what I watched and talked about for this episode. Like, realistically, it's probably going to be one of the best movies I've seen this year. Uh, okay, okay, I mean, it's, seen this year. It's not only in March. Theaters, not in theaters, yeah. Yeah, like, if you take the whole... If you just take my letterbox diary, it's probably going to be in the top 10%. But still, like, I just could not work up less enthusiasm if I tried. Now, I I'm, I think I'm a little bit of a different sort of situation here because I actively hate this movie already. I This movie is my moral <laughs> enemy. Uh, and I usually don't do this. I've been, like, really adamant for my entire life, especially about movies, that I don't want to go in there with a preconceived bias, you know? Like, the first time I ever did that for a movie, it was like, I always wanted to go in, like, Tabula Rasa. I just really tried to be blank slate as possible. The only time I remember being biased when I uh, was first getting into, like, my film analysis career was when it was uh, 2008 for Wally. I fucking love that movie. And as, as soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, I have got to see this. And I saw it right after a really rough breakup, and I still loved it. And I was just like, jeez, I just love movies. This who needs girls when you have movies? And uh, it was everything that I wanted and more. And I here's the thing. In college, I, I treated this like all the same way with like uh, the Twilight movies, you know? Like, uh, I was like, hey, I'm not going to judge these because I haven't seen them. I don't want to see them, but I'm not going to judge them one way or another unless I have seen them. I'm not going to, you know, maybe these are good. Who knows? I'm going to give every movie a fair shake. That definitely all changed, I think, when... Uh, with Suicide Squad, with that advertising campaign, <laughs> like what? That's just ruined fuck? it for you. I was like, what, what was the other? There was another movie that I saw. I think that year that had a really bad advertising campaign that I re- that I really hated. I, don't, I think it, it might wasn't have been for the show because it was before that. What? It wasn't for the show because it was before. Yeah. That. I, oh, I think it might. Yeah, you're right. It, it must have been actually for I think the Grumpy Cat movie. Jesus. Yeah, but for for Suicide Squad, it was like it was all the advertising was really bugging me. I was just like, oh, there's no way I'm going to enjoy this. I and I have to admit, when I sat down in the theater, I was I was a little bit nervous. I was like, what if I like this? How embarrassing would that be? <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I have to admit, in the movie theater, I gave it a fair. T- I was like, I always, whenever I'm watching a movie, I look for something to hang on to, like something that I might enjoy. 
that like, fucking movie. John man. Leguizamo. He wasn't in that movie. Like we talked about it with Justice League. Like we talked shit about that movie for months. But at the end of the day, I'm giving up one of my free nights of the week. I'm paying money to see it. I want to have a good time. Exactly. Like I'll talk shit about it all the time leading up to it because it looks like garbage. But but when I'm in that theater paying my money, like I want to enjoy my night. I don't want to go into a movie to hate it. I can hate plenty of movies I already own for free. Exactly. I and have plenty of shit I can hate on Netflix. I don't want to, like... I'm probably, because of my schedule, going to have to go on Thursday night, like opening night, in a crowded-ass packed theater and pay stupid prices. I don't want to have a shitty time. I mean, I'm kind of in this sort of thing where it's like, you, you don't want it to be a good-bad movie either, because I have to admit, for Justice League, there was a... There's a fair amount of, like, good-bad moments in there. I was like, well, I guess I'm having a good time because I'm laughing at it, and I... But it's like if one of the most entertaining parts of my night is Alex, the the guy, falling asleep on my arm for thirty minutes during the movie. <laughs> that's not a good use of my money, you know. I don't want to see a good bad movie in theaters. Well, it depends, like I, the Tingler, because I can't. Because like I actually I had oh, Trace Blue and Frank Conniff with me. Yeah, not me in a crowded theater at Alamo where I can't lead in and go. What the fuck is this? Where instead I just have to do the jerk off motion every. Five I mean, years. I guess I could make the argument that Flash, that like Flash Gordon was a good bad movie, but there's a whole lot of good in there. You know, there's a whole lot of well, Jesus, it's just a fun '80s adventure. You know, yeah, it's not even like good bad. You know, like I don't, I don't know. I think good bad is. I don't want to go tricky. into Kingsman Two. We're ten minutes in. I'm like, oh, I'd rather be getting my fucking wisdom. Which was so out. totally not a good bad movie. That was just a bad. No, movie. I. I mean, if you enjoyed the movie, that's fine. Yeah. It's okay to like a movie, but fuck, did I want to be anywhere else? I don't want that experience. Yeah, Ready Player One. Again, so, I'm looking for something. I want to hang my hat on something. You know what? I, I can't believe I'm saying this. In the trailer, like that girl, that like pink girl or whatever, she looks kind of cute. Maybe she's like <laughs> good. As as much shit as I've talked, I will go into this wanting to have a good time. Yeah. I will most likely see Pacific Rim 2 this weekend. I have no preconceived notions that it's going to be a good movie, but I'm going to look to have a good time. Oh, uh, that's one of the ones where you you guys cannot fucking drag me to that movie. I keep hearing, that's, everyone yeah, keeps saying, what, it's like, Pacific Rim 2 is exactly what I wanted. It was big, dumb robots destroying big, dumb monsters in Tokyo. And I'm just like, you know what? If, if that's all you're looking for for your movies, please continue to spend your money that way. I will stick to my silent movies. <laughs> look. There's a reason I did not put up a fight for that to be the episode this week. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just... That's never going to be my I genre. don't put up a fight for most of the Marvel movies either. You like what you like, and dragging you to it isn't going to make you go, actually, these are really cool. It's like, I'm not going to get you to enjoy a Jean-Luc Godard movie. I can't even get myself to enjoy a Jean-Luc Godard movie. At least not yet. I'm not going to ask you to watch Hellraiser 6. <laughs> but, you know... You just know it'll go by for osmosis. Different folks. <laughs> exactly. Because I get to report back to you. So no matter what, you can't escape it. It's a part of you. I'm a single guy, she only didn't know that.
Let's go crazy 모두 만취 상태 감당이 안돼 이제부터 네 눈치 안봐내 맘대로 할래 Bring it on 어디 할 말을 쓰면 해봐 Turn it up 넌 앞뒤가 맞지 않잖아 자유로운 기분이 좋아 눈을 감고 너도 느껴봐 항상 What a situation 이젠 파이 